All right, welcome on into the show, a Saturday edition of the tune-up. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I am joined by the mm. snare campaign provocateur, the very stubbly, the coming in caffeinated, white hot. It's Benny Horowitz. What's That's up? That's it. That's it. You want to call me on Saturday? You're not getting a <laughs> shave, guy. You know, it's a podcast. That's that we... what I tell everyone. Everyone who I interview, that you know, they're like, "Oh, I hope that was good." This and that. I'm like, honestly, it was great. And in the end. It's a fucking podcast. Yeah. We'll be yeah. all right. We'll be all right. You know, uh, how are you doing today? You okay? Were you on the edge of your seat? So like, I don't get worked up about it like that anymore. Cause you know, it's just, it's just business. Like, so we're coming to you on Saturday because stunner world cup, world action. cup action. Um, my, in my former life, as I've talked about a bunch on this podcast, I was a U.S. men's national team beat writer. I did the whole thing. So high investment, uh, care about it deeply. Been watching these guys since they were young. So today they had the opportunity to advance to the quarterfinal for the first time since 2002. Young bunch Two, thought they okay. could do it. Um, but they suffered a 3-1 defeat at the hands of a veteran uh, Netherlands team. And, and let me tell you, 3-1 final score. And it was every bit of it. It was kind of like, you know, how we talk in NBA terms on this all, all the time. It's like, you know, like the Memphis Grizzlies last year. They just didn't have enough to get over a, a veteran team like like the Warriors when when push came to finally shove. That was kind of what we were looking at. But they had enough to make you believe in them. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. that's the trick. <laughs> but but to their credit, like enough to really stay in games. Yeah. You know, because as you said, I'm watching this game and. I mean, uh, what could you use words to explain the Netherlands' performance? Uh, clinical, yeah, tactical, academic, you know? yeah. like yeah, academic, like like every you know. So you're taking a bunch of young kids, and it's like here you go. This is this. <laughs> you're right. It's like the Grizzlies versus Popovich or something, yeah. and you know they just seemed, you know, where uh, the U.S. team, you know, it's it's taking two dribbles and a move to get somewhere. For them, it's just like one graceful stride. They just seem a little bigger, a little stronger, a little older. So that being said, you know, there are a lot of uh, versions of this U.S. team I've seen in the past that would have been just erased off the field by a team like that. And and they were in it to the point where, you know, when when we made it to one there, I don't know, things can happen, you know, and, and you put yourself in the game. And so let me ask you that even at two one. You know, maybe that you're a more seasoned uh, football watcher than I. Like at two one, I'm in the mindset. I'm like, oh, it's anyone's game. Did you still know? Did you well, still know they couldn't do it? I mean, it was cat and mouse here. So the way that Louis Vuitton plays and the way that the Netherlands plays, it's like they were going to let the U.S. run around, tire themselves out, and then beat them on the counter because they knew that they were clinical. And it was just kind of like, okay, it doesn't matter what we throw at them. Uh, some s suspect substitutions there from Greg Berhalter. Mm. Um, I, I thought taking out a guy like Tim Weah was uh, kind of an interesting choice considering he was one of the only ones that was giving you a spark. My guy, Haji Wright, though, I talked to you about him before the tournament, covered him with the New York Cosmos when he was 16, 17, got a World Cup goal. That was awesome to see from me. But uh, yeah, kind of uh, with the Netherlands, you're always kind of like, oh, this is going to be total football. They've been playing this brand of football for a hundred freaking years. Yeah, like, right, right. So right, right. for the U.S. to think that they were going to finally break them down, especially yeah. when they had subs to give, was kind of juvenile. Yeah, I mean, I like the, 
you know, a couple of the late subs. Um, what's his name? The kid who plays for Miami, uh, Yeldon. Yeah, yeah, he under uh, Yedlin. Yeah, 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 Yedlin. Uh, that was a nice sub. He had some mm-hmm. good action when he came out. The thing that was obvious to me, though, I mean, that third goal they gave up, the last goal to Dumfries. Mm-hmm. You know, he was over there calling for it for 15 <laughs> seconds. Like why? Like yeah. that seemed as easy of a slam dunk goal yeah. as I've seen in the World Cup in a long time, yeah. which is the thing that begs my mind. I'm like, oh, were we ever really in this game? Yeah. So I, you know, I had a lot of fun. I didn't, you know, I didn't think it would get that far. I like seeing the representation on the stage. Mm-hmm. And right, we're in a promising situation because you have to imagine that uh, a great deal of this team is going to be the team that that comes back in 26, right? A hundred percent. And I tweeted it when the game went final, um, you know, in, in any sort of sport, any sort of venture, like you want those masterclasses of, okay, what's the template we're trying to build for this team got a masterclass from this Dutch team and what it's going to take to make a deep world cup run in 2026. Um, and, you know, we talked about the youth a lot on the first Memphis Depay goal. Um, Tyler Adams, who arguably best 11 of the tournament, absolute engine of the U.S., uh, got caught, um, you know, not marking Memphis Depay. Barcelona striker made him pay. And then on on the blind goal right before the half, blind, excuse me, um, uh, Serginho Dest, very good defender, had yeah. a real spark that the entire game, got caught napping. Mid, uh, he was in the middle of the box, made him pay 2 nothing right before the half. Then on the last one, like you said, slam dunk goal, got their third one. Uh, so the U.S. showed some real sparks, but there looked was like, also that like Robinson. Robinson yeah. fell asleep on that yeah. third goal. Yeah. But let's – and I got to bring it up because, you know, the one of the few things that kept me invested in U.S. soccer for a long time was Timmy Howard, oh. North Brunswick, New Jersey – it's my guy. I followed him. It was the reason I liked Everton for a bit. Mm. He, he he was my dude. Yeah. You know, that Turner, oh. that Turner, Jersey boy, you know, he uh, he put in a, a heck of a performance. I'm not going to go be, wait, he plays for who? Arsenal. Yeah, never. Okay. Right I can't now. do that. I'm yeah. not doing that. But uh, there's something about this New Jersey keeper thing that's uh, – keeping me super invested in, in us soccer. I, I got, I don't know what it is. I feel like the keeper is like the drummer, the catcher, you know, the goalie type of the, uh, of the pitch. So I like the fact that they're always from New Jersey and, um, it, it adds an extra investment into us soccer for me. I got a Matt Turner thing that I'll tell you off the air, which is why Uh-oh, I, I, I noticed your him. face was not with <laughs> me never, during that. Listen. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, and it, geez. It's 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 completely it has nothing Uh-oh. to do with him as a goalkeeper right now. It's a personal thing. It's personal. Okay. okay. Um, off wax. Dan. That's right. Um, you know, just how you've never given any secrets of this upcoming album i'm 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 not gonna share this um all right so the big question and the last question really you know it's all kind of in in the books going forward on on this world cup but uh greg burhalter uh you know from my perspective he comes in he takes a team that needed a change and he gave him that change and you know to see him come in and and to see how they now play more dynamic you know klinsman tried to do this uh to not much success and there was a whole like bruce arena debacle so the way Greg Berhalter has got this this team to kind of adapt to this dynamic style, and he's also met the players that he had, which is a very important mm. distinction. Young coach, not sure if he'll be back for 2026, but good early seeds here. 
So you'd like to see him back for 2026? I think if you want to make a run at the World Cup, I think you need a manager that has won a World Cup, especially mm. since it's on your home soil. Uh, that may be a more difficult hire than we right, would think. Right, right. But you know, Greg did Greg, Greg did a good job. I think we can say that. Got out of the group. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to to get into the X and O's of his coaching, but you know, from just a fan's perspective. You want to see your team be competitive and for, for, you know, most of this world cup with the exception of about 90 minutes where you thought a goal was never going to come again. Um, you know, they were competitive. They were in games against very, very class teams. So, you know, I, I if I saw him again, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't guffaw at it. You yeah. Know? So, but the most important thing, if you got into this world cup during the world cup and you got into this players, this team, Stick with it. This is not an every four-year thing. This is mm. every camp. Be invested. You know, you don't have to always say with like politics, oh, you got to be invested in every single election. Be invested in every single one of these guys. That's how I've gotten into uh, European soccer. It's just by following these guys and these teams. You better, get, you better get someone to fucking pay you if you keep hawking for him this hard. Who? Who? The U.S. men's soccer. Oh, I think well, send amen. Denny a jersey amen. or something. Jesus. Or, you know. Cody. Little compensation, Cody. Cody, Jesse, what are you guys I know from this? Come on, hook my brother up. He's hockey. Oh, hockey I've been for trying you. for years. All oh, right, boy, a free jersey, Gallagher on the back. Oh, oh, no thanks. What will your number be? A fourteen. That was oh, that, yeah. that was always it. Right. Come on, I man. Get, okay. I had a decade right, of being fourteen. All right, number fourteen. Because can you guess who turned me on the fourteen? It's not ringing a bell off the bat. The great former Red Bull legend. Arsenal legend, Terry Henry, favorite there player. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very nice. Very so, nice. All right. not, a, not a lot of NBA classic 14s out there. No. I try to think who Danny Green. Is, is, is Danny Green the best case scenario there? I don't <laughs> and know. I don't know if he wore that his whole career. <laughs> Just uh, with the Spurs. But all right. Should we get on with the rest of the show? Because, guys, good. we're doing a full show today. Up close and personal. Benny Horowitz. Um and yeah, it is time. No fanfare today, just a straight thing. It's time for this day in music history. All right, Benny, what do you got? Nice one. And apropos of the last couple weeks, 1994, Adam Sandler performs the Hanukkah song on the weekend update segment of SNL, uh, enlightening us to the fact that Harrison Ford, Paul Newman, David Lee Roth, are Jewish song reaches number 10 us wow and and uh every holiday season for for those three years uh following the release it placed high on the list of uh biggest singles now i bring this up of course because in the time when it came out of course i loved it everybody loved it even yeah. jews which was a fun thing it was like oh look at us here in the narrative that's nice um you know it's another strange thing. If we apparently run this whole thing, you'd think we had more song, more hits. Yeah. <laughs> if we ran this whole thing, Jesus, you know, put A to B, you fucking conspiracy nut jobs. Doesn't make any sense. But anyway, but now that it's like 25 years later after he wrote this song, it's still like by far for someone my generation or the previous, I think it's by far the most iconic hanukkah song yeah by a mile i can't even think what would be number two um and and i hope it lives on to further generations it's funny it's cute it pays like 
homage by kind of making fun of yourself still. And and I love it. Props to Adam Sandler for being one of the, the finest Jews out there in the uh, in the media industry. <laughs> now, here here's my question to you on that front. Does he need to update it? You know, kind of how well, everyone he has. Okay. So that that's where I'm, I didn't even bring this up because I feel like it's almost the <laughs> bad part of the story. He's done not only part two, mm-hmm. he's done part three. Oh no! From the Eight Crazy Nights soundtrack, <laughs> where he added apparently uh, Ross and Phoebe from Friends. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then oh, part four debuts at the Judd Apatow and Friends event at the New York Comedy Festival, where Sandler adds Daniel Radcliffe, Princess Leia. And the guys who founded Google to the roster. <laughs> okay. So, so apparently your your uh, your answer your questions have been called before you uh, even before you even knew it. Adam Sandler's helping you out that's with awesome. four four versions already. I need five coming up because I, sure I, I think will. there's I mean, some people. There's some people to add. You know what, Adam Sandler, the way he's going, you know, with like his yeah. new movies. The grisly beard being taken super seriously now. It might be time for like the cut back, like acoustic, grizzled voice version of the Hanukkah song. Like he might be in his like Johnny Cash era, you know? Do you remember when uh, I was like, Adam Sandler in this era is the new Judd Hirsch, and you laughed at me so bleeping hard, but it's it's coming true. You know what? Yeah, I mean, I'm more and more, and you know what it is? It's like watching how sort of he hit over that that hollywood hump yeah where he got to that next generation of his career and sort of like the silly stuff from early on is so lost on the new people hmm. you know like some 18 year old who's into basketball watching hustle <laughs> they never saw billy madison yeah they would think it was fucking ridiculous and would have no idea what was going on if they did see it you know so i think like He's managed, you know, bands have this thing too. You you hit a point where you just can't be that cool anymore. Your time is up. Luckily, Sandler got over the hump here, you know? Yeah, no. And he's got a he's got that trading card movie coming out with the Safety brothers. Uncut Gems Part Two. So. Nervous. Nervous. Oh. Keep him alive this time. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Benny. Well, on this day in 1965, the Beatles put out their sixth studio album, Rubber Soul. Who, who would have thought? Um it incorporates it's a folk rock album with incorporations of pop, soul, folk, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, I had an, a, an another one which I thought was interesting in in light of the Taylor Swift one. Mm. Um, on this day, nineteen seventy six, um, ABBA, you know my favorite band in the whole wide world. No, that's right. That's uh, right. Uh, they had a quarter uh, quarter million tickets for a show. Three point five million people got on the list, crashing box offices before all of the Taylor Swift stuff and, and the internet and everything. So ABBA crash in the box office and Beatles putting out rubber soul. Pretty big day. Not bad. Not bad. Hey, listen, uh, just, just for your knowledge here, there's some solid number 14s that have been out there. Uh, it, it, Bob Cousy. Oh, okay. So you got a serious one there. Uh, you were right. Danny green, DJ. Austin. <laughs> You know, it gets thin fast, but I think you should wear that Bob Cousy one pretty well. That's your biggest NBA comp if you ever need to use that again. I can't believe when the whole J.J. Reddick stuff was going down that we never talked about this. Where do you stand on Bob Cousy as an all-time great? Who, me? Yeah. 
Oh, right out there. I don't play oh. that. I don't play that generational stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. Like, like if you were that dominant at the time, I, I hold your place. I don't believe in the yeah. JJ Reddick uh, janitors things from what it sounds like. Most of those players found that pretty dismissive and shitty. Yeah. Um, oh, you also got Jeff Hornacek. Oh, Michael Kidd Grill Chris, Pride of Jersey City. Come <laughs> on, right. you're doing great. Jameer Nelson. Oh, Jameer Nelson. Oh my god. Robert Pack. You, yeah, you're doing okay. This is good a good ones. number. Oscar good. Robertson. Oh. Big O. Oscar Robertson, Bob Cousy. Number 14, legendary number. There we I go. I think Bob McAdoo was 14 at one point, too. All right. All right. Moving you want to get on. into moving some on. Sad moving news? on. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the hoops because LeBron made some history on Friday night. We'll get to that. Um but Benny, we, we lost the pioneer music this week. Sure did. And, and we gotta get into it real quick. Uh Christine McVee of Fleetwood Mac played the keys, wrote some songs, has died at the age of 79. And as I completely dismiss, wrote some songs. You wanna know what some of these songs were? <laughs> yeah. Little Lies Everywhere, Don't Stop, Say You Love Me, and Songburn. So hits. Oh. Woman had hits. Hits on hits on hits. So passed away 79. What's your uh, thoughts on the light? I mean, you legacy? don't, you don't, you don't need to listen to me for long to know that I am a big Fleetwood Mac fan. Yeah, always have been. As I've gotten older, it's like almost changed. You know, where like I used to be an anti-rumors guy. Huh. I was like, come on, it's getting some Peter Green, you know. And I'm like, this is the cool stuff, and blah blah blah. And uh, you know, the older I get, and the more appreciative I became of just like beautifully crafted perfect pop rock songs uh she was part and parcel to dozens of really really excellent ones that are just going to be in the narrative forever had that the perfect balance in the voice like that's one thing i think not talk one thing i know from personal experience and one of the hardest things to do in music that's getting lost in a lot of people is harmonizing harmonizing vocals without the the aids of digital technology and uh what they were able to do and she was able to do with her voice and moving it all over it takes a skill i don't think like a lot of people have so huge loss um and you know also part of the fleetwood mac narrative is the marriage between john McVie and her where peter green was uh their best man you know and they celebrated their honeymoon in a hotel with joe cocker you know like like there's just story after story after story about the relationship the fallout the whole fleetwood mac thing so um a name that's just going to be cemented in the whole the whole rock and roll narrative for i don't know until until the the sun the sun melts us that's right. And you know how, you know, sometimes we do the completely, and, and, and I'm sure it, it sketches people out when we do the sports comparisons here, but sometimes you got to, it's like Jordan Rodman of mm. female singer songwriters here. Just like that will absolutely stand the test of time. Big fan. Yeah. My other question. To and you, you know, it's the different thing though. And the reason why we should probably elect women to maybe rule the world Unlike Jordan or Dennis Rodman, Stevie Nicks's uh, post or whatever when Chrissy McVie dies is that she was my best friend in the whole world. Yeah, you know what I mean. They were, they were people. They were like proper people together. And maybe that's 
another reason why the music was so beautiful, you know? I completely woofed my own analogy there. Pippin Jordan. What the heck am I saying, Rob? They hate each other too. You got to go off Bulls. No Michael yeah, Jordan teammate you can use. Kobe Shaq didn't like each other. I think I'm making your point. You know what? Right. If you got to go Stevie Nicks, you got to go like Steph Curry, who like every Stephen Clay. Loves. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. This is a Stephen Clay situation. Oh, but, man. Yeah. But will be missed. Big this ups. This is Tim, Tim and Manu. Oh, yeah. That's you a good know, one. That kind of deal. Yeah. But uh, will be missed. Huge loss, man. Can I brief aside again? So I, it, it, it's no secret my day job is Sirius XM. Was listening to our guy, the doggy, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Uh, sure, tra- Mac tra- fan. Tra- well, not really. Oh. As, as as this interview clearly, uh, when he he oh. put it forward, tried to start ranking Fleetwood Mac among seventies bands, and I was like, considering we do this every week, trying to like like. Uh, put stay out of my lane, yeah, doggy. Yeah. Get out of here. I was like, here. you can't do it. You you literally can't come. He, he was trying to compare Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles. I'm like, oh, stop, doggy. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Yell about sports and and the ponies. You <laughs> the know? ponies. Oh my goodness. All right, Benny. We've been um, talking some shit last couple weeks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, the people seem to love it. The numbers on on the YouTube's are, are up. So people. <laughs> Here's what I think this whole thing is boiling down to. I think people just want to see two people on YouTube completely unhinged and slowly losing their minds. And I think we're giving the people what they want. Yo, I'm all for that. <laughs> I'm all listen, toeing the line is my bread and butter. <laughs> oh man. Mentally, gotta... physically, spiritually. <laughs> let's go. Oh, I gotta stop. All right, come on. Moving right. on. What do we got? All right. Um, all right. Do you want to talk some Aaron Judge here on a Saturday morning? Sure. Saturday afternoon. Sure, I do. Sure, All I right. do. So there's a chance that Aaron Judge may not be in pinstripes anymore. We kind of covered this as the New York Yankees season came to a close, but there is hope that he's going to sign a contract at the new, at the winter meetings coming up. Um, it seems to be the two front runners right now: the New York Yankees and his hometown San Francisco Giants. Um, seems to be a lot of backroom deals going on. You know, there's speculation about uh, the Yankees and the Mets having a, a conversation here. Uh, the uh, about not going at Judge at all. The Yankees threw up an eight-year, $300 million at the 61-62 home run king over here. Um, Benny, what do you make of this Aaron Judge thing? Do, do you think we're going to see him back in pinstripes, or is it really a toss-up? I think we're definitely seeing him back in pinstripes, and I think baseball is finally doing something right. Yeah, Your most famous character, the person who who your novice fan knows the most, just by name, by Yankees, by size, you know, like any number of things. And they're doing what the NBA does. They're making it a story. They're scratching it out. You know, there's a couple things to me. A, I don't think the Yankees are going to put themselves in a position to be outbid right now, especially with what the Yankees look like without Aaron Judge next year. So I think that's off the table. Aaron Judge wants to win. And I do think the Yankees put yourself in a much better position to win now than the San Francisco Giants do, particularly with what's going on in their division. And you're about to just go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers and the Padres for the next uh, 10 years who have unlimited pockets and and these, you know, burgeoning. So you're automatically the third best team in that division if you go there. And Aaron Judge isn't moving that needle. So between that the mega deal he's been offered, all the things on the table. 
Not what I'm hearing from my own little birdies. I'm not going to put that on here. But I do really think that he's coming back. And I think baseball is finally like making a show of it, you know, stretching it out for a couple weeks and really making people think and making people sweat and making people like us talk about it. So that's what I think is happening right now. And kudos to baseball for that. I think honestly, like the winter meeting should be almost like a reality show where they get all of the guys at the Tampa thing and they sit in a, a room and almost like Shark Tank style, like the offer gets presented to him and they have like the four teams that yeah. are interested in signing. That's what they got to do. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> now, and uh, we, we'd be remiss to not bring up uh, Jacob deGrom. Oh, going to goes and signs a mega uh-huh. deal. Five years. uh blah, 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 numbers, huge numbers to go there. Um, I think the per year was what people expected, but not the uh, five years based on the fact, you know, I'm looking at DeGrom's stats last night and shit, if this is a really risky signing, you know, like just, of course, it's not based on talent, but really when you look at DeGrom's career, there is three years he put together from 17 to 19, where you're like, this is maybe the best pitcher in baseball. And ever since and before, it's just been this constant, constant situation of how long he can stay on the field and this and that. And I don't know about you. I just haven't cared about the Texas Rangers in so long. It's like it's like I haven't cared about them since Juan Gonzalez and like Pudge Rodriguez was on that team. I don't care how much they signed Semyon, they signed Seager, they signed DeGrom. I still don't care, and I don't think they're going to win for some reason. So that's something strange about that narrative. I think the Seattle Mariners so far in baseball are the winners of the offseason by upgrading their offensive roster with uh, Colton Wong, taken from your Brewers, and Teoscar Hernandez from the Blue Jays, really supplementing the roster with two solid, solid, uh, you know, you know, middle of the lineup types, uh, Colton Wong, I actually think is like really ascending as an offensive player. So kudos to the Mariners so far. Best off season. Yeah. Explain these Brewers trades to me. So the brand new GM in there kind of putting his imprint on here Two deals. I'm not sure that I, I quite get what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, I think Wong is a little bit of a money thing. He's going to have yeah. to get paid sort of soon. And it might be the answer to them moving Renfro earlier in this off season because they got Jesse Winker back from the uh, Mariners who signed a pretty big contract based on his season two years ago and kind of boofed it last year. So I do think there's kind of a recovery a season possible for Winker. And I, I think that's why the Brewers did the Wong trade. Mm. All right. So, you know, Benny, top to bottom, comprehensive there. So uh, money on the line, judge and pinstripes next year. Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. I'm All in. right. I love it. <laughs> Let's get him back. Let's uh, 60, get that uh, Billy Crystal 61 sequel going because he, yeah. he, Judge only gets well, the movie if he resigns. Well, me and every good Yankees fan knows what's going to happen. We're not seeing another season like that, but you still have to yeah, sign yeah, up. It's, yeah. it's, you got to. You, you got no gotta. choice. Got to keep the fan favorites around. That's and it. Benny, our next story today, mm. one of your fan favorites, a guy, eh, he's all right. No, just kidding. LeBron James has made NBA history yet again. On Friday night, he moved past Magic Johnson on the NBA's all-time assist. Uh, and uh, doing this while wearing a Lakers uniform, um, climbing the pecking order of lakers lore 
uh, two part here. Just him passing Magic on on the assist, pretty big deal. Oh yeah. But for if you're a Laker fan, how much does this matter to you? Because Magic is all, always going to be your guy. I, you know, I don't think for a Lakers fan this matters that much. Yeah. This is like a LeBron fan kind of thing, <laughs> NBA fan kind of thing, and you know, watching him potentially ascend past the next people, which is possible this season. You know, like he could uh, start to scratch Mark Jackson at five and Steve Nash at four by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the other ones, you know, the Jason Kidd and John Stockton's. I'd be shocked if he got near because those are just pretty. I mean, John Stockton is still currently uh, nearly 4,000 assists <laughs> over Jason Kidd at number two. So yeah. that's one of those wild records you don't see going anytime soon. But, you know, the coolest thing about this record to me is his position. Yeah. Not a and guard. yeah, and I think that's like the coolest thing about this. He is literally the only person on this list who didn't traditionally play point guard roles. I'm not totally willing to say that about Oscar Robertson because I don't know if he ran the point or not on his teams. But listen to this list, like the top 15. Stockton, Kidd, Chris Paul, Steve Nash, Mark Jackson, Magic Johnson, Oscar, Isaiah Thomas, Gary Payton, Westbrook, Andre Miller, Rod Strickland, Rajon Rondo, Mo Cheeks, just all traditional classic point guards. So LeBron being this high up on this list is, uh, it's not only like indicative of his greatness, but also maybe one of the biggest telltales about the birthing of the era of positionless basketball. And there's a, a a couple things I, I could see where you could go the direction in the argument and be like, Oh, this puts him greatest all time cemented, but it's also like I don't think they were padding stats the way that they are now. And I think LeBron, big stat patter guy, it's the same reason why Westbrook is that high on the list as well, even though he's more of a, of, of a traditional guy. But this whole this this is not this is just the appetizer when it comes to him uh, having legacy and accomplishments. The Kareem scoring record is there to be had, and if he did that in a Laker uniform, yeah, oh my gosh, it's that that that's a Mister Three Thousand stuff right there. Yeah, and you know, like even just as a statistical guy, like you know, I am. You look around this list of the assist leaders. You know, LeBron James has career ten thousand three hundred career rebounds. Mm-hmm. There is no one else on this list with more than eighty seven hundred, and that's Jason Kidd, and he's up there by a lot. You know, you look at blocks. Right. LeBron James has a thousand and fifty career blocks. There's not another person on this list with more than four hundred and fifty. So, I mean, this is like sheer dominance, unicorn in the woods type stuff. Like these numbers don't belong with these other numbers. And if I was just like an alien searching statistics, this would make my eye look and go, what is this anomaly? You know, it's weird. And he's not supposed to be here. I do think it can be used as an indication of LeBron being the best all around player right. in the and history of the game. I think that we, you know, that's kind of been known for a, a little bit because people always use the semantics when it comes to the greatest of, of all time between him and Jordan. They go for the rings versus the stats, but there's there there is still a tiny bit of stat padding in there that is very much sure. of this era. Of course. Of course. Um 
also in that game last night, Chris Middleton makes his return for my Bucks. Uh, solid outing, not bad. Yeah, okay. Um, as players start to come back, um, and 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 stuff like that. Top of the Eastern Conference. What are your thoughts? I mean, what is Boston's a yeah. freak right now? Absolutely. You know, like like from <laughs> what game thirty five forty last season till now. Boston's been the best team in the NBA and one of like, you know, statistically and historically one of the the, the greater teams. So mm-hmm. right now, Boston is the class of the East with I'd say Milwaukee and Cleveland uh, shortly behind. Um, I'm not seeing too many problems with Milwaukee, especially mm-hmm. Middleton coming back and that roster filling out Lopez looking good. I thought they looked pretty tough last night. Um, so I'm not too worried about them, especially with health. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Looking good. Looking good. I thought last night was a little more indicative of uh, the Lakers trying to make a statement. You know, yeah. they had they had their health. Anthony Davis is playing at another level, giving you that glimpse of what could be. But, you know, I'd be remiss to say, I think, bigger than Chris Middleton last night is the return of T.J. Warren. Oh, okay. the Brooklyn Nets. Nice. There we go. There we go. T.J. Warren coming think? up big, 10 points off the bench. No, it's great. I mean, you yeah. know, get him into the rotation. T.J. Warren's a uh, heck of an offensive player, and if there's anything that second unit needs for the Nets, it's someone you can just toss the ball to, yeah. get a little crafty in the mid-range game. You know, like he's kind of Kevin Durani in the way if you if you give him a shot between, you know, 8 and 15 feet, it's basically automatic. So, yeah. you know, you put him in the same spots as the court as Durant, you can have some success offensively, you know. I don't know if he can guard me on defense right now, but we'll <laughs> see. See well, about that. Not n- not many of the Nets can guard the big swagoo right now. But <laughs> But, you know, um, yeah, man, it's just, you know, with the end, you know, we we passed the 20 game mark. um, And I think that we really have a a good idea of what teams are are, are kind of for real and what teams are going to continue to to struggle. So, yeah, man, plenty more to get into. But big day here on the tune up Saturday edition. Thank you very much for watching on YouTube. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune up podcast at gmail.com Two P's in there. Follow us on all the social platforms, the tune tune up HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're still on Twitter until the wheels fall off late, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, (laughs) If you want to follow the big man, he is on Instagram at Benny Horowitz. I'm at Denny Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, Denny, quick, right off the top of your head. Uh Uh-huh. Who you got in the World Cup? Who do you like? Who's your team now in the World Cup? I mean, I picked Brazil at the top of this. I also picked the U.S. to get eliminated today, but... uh. Brazil, nine strikers bring into Qatar, uh, including a young Vinicius from Real Madrid. Can't beat it. There you go. Give me Poland. Shout out, Grandma Evie. (laughs) The show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to and watching the tune-up.